Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Healing my own chronic illnesses as an empath led me to become fascinated with energy and more specifically, all of the emotional, spiritual, and holistic healing modalities my doctor never told me about. I began to share my insights and journey online and over time built a powerful community and business supporting women who were also on the pathway to healing. Think of this podcast as your uncensored and no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship as an empath. You'll get no nonsense and totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing journey right beside you. Now, let's get started. we dive in today's episode, you guys know that I'm always really transparent with you within my own health journey and all of the things that I have tried and experimented with in order to to heal with, with autoimmune disease and with chronic illness. And I just recently redid my Dutch test, which is a hormone test that is um, measured through dried urine. Sexy, I know. <laughs> but what I found was that I have some adrenal fatigue. I actually didn't have adrenal fatigue before. So this is a new thing for me. And my practitioner looked at my lab uh, levels and he was like, it looks like you're a shift worker. I'm like, that's my husband, not me. So I promise we didn't switch pee. But uh, my adrenal glands, which they measure the cortisol levels throughout the day, starting in the morning, ending in the evening, uh, are basically flipped. And so it's just a wake-up call to me that I need to really focus not only on stress relief, but supporting my adrenal glands with things like adaptogens. So adaptogens are balancing and they help with things like stress levels, cortisol, so that they follow their normal natural arc instead of an inverted one like myself right now. No wonder I get all amped up right before bed and it's hard to sleep. And what I'm super excited to share is that I've been using the the Beekeepers Naturals Propolis Spray, throat spray, to help with this exact issue. So while I originally thought, oh, I'm just going to use this to boost immunity, I then realized that it also has adaptogen power. So sustainably sourced ingredients, check, super important to me. It is uh, known as the protector of the hive, check, amazing energetic components and properties. (laughs) And it contains over 300 beneficial compounds, including a bunch of antioxidants. So I have been spritzing this in my mouth slash throat throughout 
throughout the day for the last couple of weeks now and it's really supportive uh, on top of the other things I'm doing for my body this is fun to be able to just spritz throughout the day so that I am continuously supporting my stress levels and my adrenal glands I'm excited to share with you guys that I have a discount code and you can get 15% off your first order. All you have to do is go over to beekeepersnaturals.com slash healing uncensored or simply enter the code healing uncensored at checkout. You deserve to feel your absolute freaking best as well, sister. So I hope you take advantage of that code. Now let's dive in today's conversation. You guys, I've been manifesting the most kindred spirits on the podcast lately as interview guests. It's been so much freaking fun to have these conversations. Uh, and there's just so many commonalities with so many guests lately. Today's guest is Marcy Moberg. She's an intuitive coach and healer with a passion for reconnecting sensitive souls to their forgotten intuitive nature. Her work includes coaching individuals and groups to develop their intuition, understand their sensitivity, own their power, and navigate life transitions and relationships with authenticity. She's a podcast host of Tune In with Marcy and has been featured on numerous public Locations. In today's episode, we are talking about why empaths and highly sensitive people uniquely can struggle with their intuition, what to do about it, as well as how healing our past can help heal our present, and her theory on the connection between trauma, empaths, and autoimmune disease. I know you're going to love this because it intersects so many things that I love and I talk about on this show. So let's dive in. Hi, Marcy, and welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I am, and we were just talking about how excited I was to have you on the show, but also how we speak the same language and just have a lot of uh, similarities in our journey and kind of like where we've come to, to believe the things we've come to believe about empathy, intuition, autoimmune disease, chronic illness, et cetera. So before we dive into some of that, I'd love for you to let the audience get to know you. What does your healing journey look like in, in the Cliff Notes version? Because I know we have so many different uh, layers that go into it. Yeah, I appreciate the Cliff Notes version because that's usually what I say to people. <laughs> let me give you the Cliff Notes version. Yeah. Uh, my, my healing journey is that I had this kind of stunning discovery when I was in, I guess, um, my mid twenties where I realized I had achieved the quote unquote American dream. I was married. I had a really successful job, a tenured job in the government. I, um, was in one of the best grad school programs in the country and in the world for my field. So I had a lot going for me, but I was super unfulfilled and my health was falling apart and, I didn't really understand what was, was happening other than that something needed to change. And I had this moment where I was kind of, you know, I think my like bottom of the bottom is that I was on the kitchen floor crying and, um, my husband at that time had, we had gotten into a disagreement and he had kind of left the house and I didn't know where he was. And he had been gone for like a really long time. It was really late at night. And I just knew in that moment that, that everything was, not good mm-hmm. uh, and falling apart. And so about maybe a couple of weeks after that, I had a healer that I had been working with um, who had been just teaching me, you know, meditation techniques and pieces like that I had started my meditation practice. And they basically said to me, if you don't change something in your life, you won't live to see 30. Wow. And I knew that that was real. It kind of really hit me hard because yeah. of how you know, just entire systems in my body just kind of kept going offline. And there was periods of time where I couldn't even digest chicken broth. You know, I couldn't, there were times where I couldn't like control my bowels. Like it was just really intense Mm -hmm. and I didn't understand what was happening. And, And for me, it had to be this moment of coming face to face with my reality that like my marriage wasn't working. It was really unhealthy. I had to come to reality that my job wasn't working and that wasn't aligned with me. And I didn't know what my purpose was. And I had to come to terms with the fact that my health really was failing and that I was on more medication at that time than my grandfather, which was just like absurd to me. Mm-hmm. So it was that moment for me that's kind of started this wake up call that I I would say started me on this very long winding journey through just a lot of seeking answers and, and being willing to try everything with a grain of skepticism, a healthy grain of skepticism. Yeah. 
you know, along the way. And, and I feel really blessed because I think every single step of the way, the universe brought me the right doctors or the right practitioners or the right modalities as I moved through my journey to help me work through each of the pieces along the way, which was this really, really complex map of things happening physiologically in the body, things happening emotionally for me, unhealed trauma from my past, hidden trauma that I didn't remember, honestly, at all. I, I mean, I had this massive, like, behemoth of trauma that was sitting there inside of my body that I actually didn't remember mm-hmm. um, until I started doing this work to, to leave my marriage and, leave, and, and look at leaving my job and those pieces. And then uh, those, everything kind of slowly started to come clear, but mm-hmm. it, it was a long process. Absolutely. I, I resonate very much <laughs> in, in there, you know, even being moments where you want to throw the towel, you want to give up. You're like, what gives, when am I going to finally get an answer? And even sometimes when you get a, a diagnosis, like you got the diagnosis of Lyme and, mm-hmm. um, I've gotten, numerous diagnoses, but, but that doesn't always like, it's not like, okay, and now you're going to go home and you're going to feel better. It's like, okay, now I have maybe more clear, uh, idea of the pathway I can take to, to heal, but that diagnosis still, it, it, um, doesn't, you know, there's no magic wand that comes along with that. So then we have all the physical things that are happening in our body, which, you know, we could go to our doctors or practitioners and and get help with. But then there's this whole other layer, which is the emotional and the spiritual and the energetic. And like you were just talking about starting to heal some of our past, which includes things like those, those hidden traumas that have been unearthed, childhood wounds, um, ancestral patterns, et cetera. What are some of the things that you did realize about your past that you were able to heal and see not only relief within the emotional body, but also relief in the physical body. Mm -hmm. I think one of my, I think peak moments for myself was when I, and and this was quite recently because I've been on, I've been healing, I would say a lot of focus on like my second chakra area, my sacral chakra area, Mm -hmm which was holding a lot of uh, sexual abuse from my past. It Mm -hmm. was holding um, a lot of trauma around my creativity. I was, you know, I had really stamped my creativity and down, I would say when I was working in the government because Mm -hmm. I had to follow bureaucracy and I had to be kind of, I felt a little bit like a widget, like I was being forced into a widget, Mm -hmm. but the essence of my soul, which is the spiritual level, the essence of who I am is a very, very deeply artistic creative person. And that was deeply unfulfilled. So there was, you know, it was like peeling back the layers of that step by step. Uh, you know, first step was a, a healer, an energy healer telling me, you know, I don't know what's happening with your, your second chakra, but it literally looks like a nuclear bomb is about ready to go off. There's mm-hmm. just, it's really, so I don't know what's happening there for you, but that's something to explore. And at that time I was going through uh, yoga teacher training and learning about the chakras. And I realized, oh, that's interesting. This is connected to my creativity. So then I started allowing myself to um, really write. I I, started to journal a lot at that time in my life. I started to pick up journaling. I started to give myself permission to paint. I went out to Michael's and I bought like finger paints because I knew that I needed to get in touch with a younger version of myself. so that was kind of the, the, the part that started allowing the creative part of me to kind of come back out. And that kind of coincided around the same time that I ended up getting uh, divorced. And so that was like the first layer. And then it was, you know, after that, starting to allow myself to really embody who I want was, express myself in friendships, express myself more fully in relationships and, um, that was really hard for me because of the past that I, at that point still didn't really actually remember, but that the recent past that I had known about was my marriage, which had fallen apart and which had included domestic violence. And so it actually literally didn't feel safe 
to fully express myself because yeah. at that time my ex was extremely in a, in unfortunately in an emotionally and mentally unwell state where I didn't feel like I had full space to express myself. So that was another phase. It was like translating it from first into this intimate space of allowing myself to explore my creativity and expression, you know, with myself and then to allow myself to have that be seen more by other people and both how I related to people and also how I dressed and mm -hmm. what I did with my hair and, you know, things that seem kind of surface level. But if you at the center of what's aching inside of you is a sense of needing to express yourself created it, creatively, it can be really healing. Mm -hmm. And then from there, over time, it just, I would say spontaneously through doing kind of some past life healing work for myself, recognizing that I had uh, sexual trauma in past lives as well mm -hmm. that sexual trauma is something that exists in my family line so actually when I first started touching into the sexual trauma piece I actually didn't think it was mine I thought what I was sensing was simply just the ancestral line I knew that trauma had existed on the maternal line in my family and I thought that that's really what it was and that it came down to literally just being in my DNA mm -hmm. but then after I started doing that kind of work that's when spontaneously I finally feel like I was safe enough in my body for the memories to come up. Mm -hmm. And from there, spontaneously, memories would start coming up to me in meditation, um, in dreams while I was walking on the street and like, boom, 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 all these trauma memories from my recent, this lifetime present started coming through to me. And um, I did work with them, both myself and then with the support of my, my therapist, my trauma mm -hmm. therapist. So mm -hmm. It's a lot of layers <laughs> and, and it resulted in finally, um, being, getting cleared, mm -hmm. uh, like last year, I think it was, or the year before by my OBGYN and no longer having endometriosis. I used to have chronic endometriosis. I used to have ovarian cysts. Um, and that's, that's all gone. I used to have constant vaginal infections, mm -hmm. all of that kind of illness that was in that region of my body is now gone, which is pretty amazing because I started having issues in that space in my body starting at age 11. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's fascinating to me. And I've, I've seen some of those amazing results in my own body where we work on like, like a chakra center, for example, like, like the sacral chakra and then the organs in that area of the body that are associated with that energy center, like the sacral, uh, all of a sudden the symptoms start to resolve or you go in for your yearly checkup or something and all of a sudden uh, maybe like the throat the throat chakra and your your thyroid antibodies have decreased or, or something along those lines and it's fascinating to me and at the same time it, it makes so much sense because we are not segregated segregated parts we are this whole energy body as a human being i'm fascinated by hidden trauma so quick story i Mm -hmm. filmed a documentary in my early 20s about a woman who was stolen from her family in India and was adopted by a family here in the United States. And then she went back and found her mother later on. And through some therapy, she discovered these memories that mm -hmm. were previously not accessible to her. And uh, they started to come back up and she started to have these memories of sexual abuse uh, and assault as a three-year-old girl. And so I told the story in the documentary as part of it, but what I always wanted to ask her that I never had the opportunity to, and so I'm going to ask you is, what was it like then to start to have some of those memories, specifically traumatic memories, resurface? Did you doubt yourself? Because as I think about it and I think of visualizations I have in my meditation, it's like, oh, that's not real. So how did you navigate that? I mean, absolutely doubt is a huge part of it. I mean, I didn't even, for, for me, the, the memories started coming up about two or three years before I finally showed up. I was already working with my therapist. Um, I, I've been working with my therapist and my mentor for years now. And so I was already doing work with her, but this is not something that we were working on specifically. Yeah. So it, and, and I have a very trusting relationship with her and it came up three years before I even brought it into to that container mm -hmm. because I thought to myself, this is, I mean, this is 
uh, I don't even know what, how to describe what it felt like the first time it came, it came up, it came up for me in a sound healing. I was in a sound healing, listening, mm-hmm. um, to singing bowls and it, ironically, not so ironically, it was a singing bath that was sound bath that was specifically focused on the second chakra. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of my, what happened for me is one of my guides showed up and then took me into like a basement, basically invited me to follow him into the basement, which of course is the basement of my consciousness, which I didn't put two and two together. Uh, And when he opened the door, it's like this flood of memories came back. And for me, it was, it it was really hard to, to not doubt or to reconcile with because it's the last thing I would have thought. And it's the last person I would have thought. And it's just like, I wouldn't have put those two pieces together. But then when I did put the pieces together, honestly, everything in my life made sense. Mm -hmm. It was like, I understand now why this relationship with this person is so bizarre and tenuous and why there's just been this just strange dynamic my whole life with them. And Mm -hmm. I understand now why I was so susceptible to um, abuse in relationships. I understand now why my guard was down in situations when it shouldn't have been down. You know, when I really started to kind of pull the string and unravel it, it's like, and I slowly allowed myself to trust it. To, to be honest, I think the only way I was able to really start to trust it is because it kept coming up consistently. I'd feel in my body. And then I had a therapist, you know, a, a tra- you know, trauma therapist that was there to be able to validate and say, this is real. This happens to a lot of people. And here's, you know, and here are, is literature that documents that this happens Here's literature that documents that our cells literally hold memory. Yeah. And, you know, this sounds cheesy, but I, one of the things that I'm really excited about is that I just got the opportunity to see Frozen 2 recently. And in Frozen 2, they talk about how water has memory. Well, our yeah. body is 80% memory, you know, 80% water, which means that there's this amazing amount of memory held inside of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it was really, I think, validating to have those pieces. But at the beginning, it was extremely, I mean, difficult is not even the word because I would cycle into, even after I finally gave myself permission to say, okay, I'm going to acknowledge this is real. When I started pulling the string of it, it was so much like metaphorically longer and deeper and complicated. And it wasn't just one person. There was like multiple incidents. I mean, it was just this long thing that I wasn't even expecting. Mm -hmm. So I would go through periods of time where I would trust and then cycle into doubt, trust and then cycle into doubt. Um, until I finally, you know, through, I think the work of like a year and a half got to a place of saying, okay, I can finally trust this, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's a long time to get to that place to trust yourself because for me, and I think it's the case for a lot of people, when you, you remember these, uh, incidents in your early experience, it shatters all these fantasies mm-hmm. that your mind has created as a survival mechanism. And so it's literally like doing revisionist history. Yeah. You know? Which I think all of us have to do at some point to heal our past. Like all of us to, in order to really fully embody the present in order to fully be connected to like our intuition and our inner voice. We need to do that kind of revisionist history of our life. Mm -hmm. But when you have trauma in your past and it's so earth shatteringly opposite than the illusions you've built in your mind, it's like that revisionist history is so much harder. Mm -hmm. So I love that you, you brought up that part of the reason you feel you're able to access some of those that, you know, basement of the conscious mind, like you said, is that you started to to develop this place of safety in your life and in your body. And especially sound healing, like that first experience you were talking about, well, you're really surrendering to the frequency of, of the singing bowls or like, you're just, you're, you're opening yourself up to healing. And I, I think that our bodies and, and research also shows that our bodies are, are adaptive and they, you know, evolve to keep us safe. And we have these very intense survival mechanisms and defense mechanisms inherent within all of us. It's why we've been able to survive as a human race, but it, it makes a lot of sense to me that in that place of, of, of safety that then it's like, okay, like the subconscious is now saying, 
Marcy can, she can, she's ready for this. She's ready to go into that spot. She's ready to unearth this. And uh, it's not going to uh, throw her off so much that she can't handle it. And instead, yeah, it's still challenging, of course, but like there's going to be tools or you have the tools or you, you're, you're open to the revisionist history, like you said, of going back and, and really rethinking some of the parts of our childhood that we have, we may have one, one um, memory, one perspective of, but is that a memory that was there to keep us safe versus what really happened? And you know, I'm sure that probably can induce some, some nervousness or some fear in, in some people. And they're like, oh my God, is my childhood real? Like what really happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, we're not saying this is like the case for, for every person, but no. it also like, to me, it's just a reminder to, to really trust our body and to trust that if, if there is anything that needs to be unearthed for us to, in, in order to heal physical or emotional or energetic parts of our body, trust that it's going to be unearthed at, at the exact time that we need to be able to, to see it and gather that new information that previously was more locked in, into, still into ourselves, but just not consciously apparent to us. So you mentioned intuition and kind of the energetic component of this and Uh, clearly in tune with what's happening in your chakras. Would you identify as an empath as well, Marcy? Yeah. And like (laughs) (laughs) 3000%. Yes. Super empath. (laughs) So I'd love to hear your journey of, of realizing that you were an empath, you are an empath and how that has affected this process in your life in general as well. Yeah. I mean, that one, that, that's been huge. I mean, recognizing that I'm an empath, you know, I'm both an, I'm an empath. I'm a highly sensitive person. Those are two different things. I'm also an intuitive. So if, if I were to translate what that means, it means that my system is very turned on (laughs) at all times and soaking up a lot of information. Um, and so learning those different pieces for myself was really important and learning the distinctions of them has been really important to be able to sort through what is my intuition versus what is more of my empathic nature where I'm absorbing stuff as a sponge and it's actually not mine and what is just the nature of my highly sensitive nervous system which gets easily overwhelmed by you know environments and people and crowds and things like that um So I don't really recall how it happened and how I was able to kind of come in contact with these, these labels, but I, I, in in essence, I came in touch with them before I ended up later getting in touch with the research around it, which was really validating. And that's kind of generally what happens. I don't know what it is, but somehow my guides always end up guiding me. Usually I would say like backwards is the best way I can describe it, where I'll have an experience of something and I'll come into a knowing of something and then I'll be exposed to the word to name the thing that's happened. And then I'll be exposed later to like research or writing around it that then can validate it. And I think that that's, this is really a graceful thing that my spirit team does because I think because of my past it's allowed me to develop a really strong trust in myself. So when I finally recognized that I was an empath, it it gave me another layer of understanding why uh, things like relationships were so hard for me, right? Because in my mind, it made no sense. Mm -hmm. I grew up with two parents that are still married. They still love each other. They consider each other their best friends why am I so bad at relationships was the question I had, right? Why was I so bad at it? Well, part of it was this trauma that had existed and then had gotten perpetuated over years through kind of micro traumas and then bigger traumas that I never really took the time to acknowledge it happened. Mm. And then the other layer of it is, is the fact that I am an empath and I am this sponge and, you know, for people who are listening that are like maybe just tuning into your podcast or aren't as familiar with that language, it's like as an empath, you literally are a sponge and you take on um, feelings and sensations and thought forms and energies of your environment as if you are, as if it is you, like you don't distinguish that. And so I didn't understand that. And I would have situations in relationships where I would suddenly spontaneously feel like really angry, but there would be no why there would be no reason to it. 
I wouldn't, you know, at, I, especially after developing a practice of really strong practice of meditation and self-awareness and journaling, and I couldn't connect the pieces. It was like, why am I angry? I don't know. There's not, there's like, I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm searching. There's nothing in here. Mm -hmm. And then having that understanding, I was able to start distinguishing and going, well, maybe actually I'm not angry right now. Maybe my partner is angry and he's not expressing it. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not sad right now. This person in front of me is sad and, or I'm feeling their grief. And, um, you know, that's interesting. This, this kind of idea is coming into mine is my mind. Is this mine or not mine? And that started becoming a really interesting, um, exploration for me. And as I started to be able to understand that that was actually something that happens for people in their experience, then it allowed me to start sorting out even clearer. Okay. Well, what is, what is my truth? Let me give back this emotion that's not mine. Let me give back this thought that's not mine. Okay, then what's left? Mm -hmm. And again, it's complicated because it's for me personally, and I find this is the case for a lot of my clients, is like the empathic piece is very intertwined with maybe complex trauma, which then, you know, all those pieces, it's like the empathic nature, maybe their empathic nature is a gift. Maybe that's that was like part of their gift, but then they had traumas, so then it became like that a way that instead of a gift of navigating the world, it became this way of just kind of trying to keep themselves safe. And then it became a way that they were always people pleasing and worrying about other people's needs before their own and constantly being a touch point and, and a thermometer for everyone else in the environment and, uh, and not a thermostat and being able to, to manage the, th the, the temperature, right? And so that was the case for me is when I recognized like, oh, I'm the thermometer but I can have a choice here and learn how to be a thermostat and I can, I can develop some sovereignty over my internal experience. Mm -hmm. That was a game changer, but I mean, it took a lot of time and a lot of trial and error and a lot of mm, wrong relationships, <laughs> painful relationships to get to the place where now I'm finally, you know, I'm, I'm finally happily married and in a healthy partnership. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm relationships teach us so much. They, they can be such great teachers in our, in our life. Um, so the intuition that you're decipher, you know, deciphering what is intuition versus what is your highly sensitive nature versus what is the sponginess of other people's energy. Once you and through that journey of kind of figuring out and, and experimenting, exploring what, what was what, like all these different subtle energies that we're picking up and experiencing as human beings. Once you became clear on what your intuition felt like and how you experienced it in your life, how did that play into your healing process as well? Uh, I would say it played into my healing process in a sense of just being able to trust myself because my intuition has always been strong. It wasn't a matter of me needing to, I don't want to say this. It wasn't a matter of me needing to like tune into it for the first time. It was rather that it was, it was very strong, but it was covered up by all these other layers that then made it very confusing. So I may, I would have, for example, an inner knowing about um, a way forward on my path. But because of my trauma and because of my empathic nature, I would move into really intense cycles of doubt and self-doubt and self-questioning and inner criticism and over-analysis and analysis paralysis of like how I could, you know, which, which way to move forward. To, can I actually trust this? Is this really the next right step? Um, and so that that was really hard for me. So I had to really kind of move through those layers to be able to recognize. Uh, and for me, cause I'm, you know, how would I describe this? I, I'm, I'm both, I think a very kind of very scientific person and also a highly artistic person. So my, my, my mind works well. Um, cause I like to be grounded. My mind works well with evidence. So I had to have, I think enough times where I could look back evidentially and say, okay, despite my cycling of doubt, the initial sense of knowing that I had mm. remained true. And when I followed it, uh, what ended up unfolding for me was in support of me. So whether that was 
working with a specific practitioner or a certain modality or a lot of now how I navigate uh, for myself actually is, is really intuitively sensing which herbs I might need to work with, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was really getting to this place of like noticing for my intuition, what is the, what is the consistent knowing despite the noise of the doubts. So when the doubt gets quiet, what's there? Um, when the doubt's loud, what else is there? And is it the same thing over and over again? And so I had to recognize, you know, I always tell people who are highly sensitive people and or empaths, one of the best things we can do is just to allow ourselves time to slow down. Mm -hmm. Slowing down is really big because we're processing so much information. We don't just take in the obvious, we take in the subtle according to research. And number two, just giving ourselves more time and space to process and to integrate. So a lot of, for me, had to come from, okay, let me just, let me slow, slow down, you know, my slow down, my to-do list, slow down, literally how I'm moving in the world. Sometimes if I'm feeling really overwhelmed, there's a self-doubt cycle. It's likely that my nervous system is, is, is overwhelmed. Let me self-resource and let me nourish my nervous system. Let me ground myself down. Um, and then let me get curious and, and give myself space to have space to process, to integrate my experience. And when I slow down, when I give myself space, when I give myself moments of pause to integrate what's happening, when I nourish my nervous system, then the intuition is, is even um, clearer because I don't have so much noise on top of it, mm -hmm. in a sense. You explain these concepts very beautifully. I, I so appreciate it. And um, I'm even having these like little like neural connections where I'm like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, it makes so much sense. And uh, when people have not heard it explained to them, especially in a clear, concise way, they, they just maybe are not aware of that yet, but I'm hoping that the audience's the listeners are also having these little like sparks of like, oh my gosh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we talked about some chronic illness, autoimmune, empathy, trauma, hidden trauma. And you mentioned that you have a theory on the connection between these three things, trauma, empaths, and autoimmune conditions. And I would love to hear what that is and, and how you've come to see that connection in your own life or your own work. Yeah. Before we were, we were talking together and, and for me, it's like these three pieces are, there's like a Venn diagram that connects them for mm -hmm. a lot of us. There, there, there are many of us that have, and a lot of my clients are like this. They have an autoimmune condition. They have, they're an empath and they have a history of trauma. Um, and you know, I think it's like, there's, there's like a theory I have, and then there's questions that I'm curious about that I don't know if I'll find the answers to in my lifetime or not. Mm -hmm. But the theory I have is that I think the number one consistent thing I find in my work that have like that, those three spaces connecting in the center of that Venn diagram is that they struggle with boundaries mm -hmm. and that their trauma is connected in some way, whether it's an actual physical boundary, like, like myself, like sexual trauma, or it could be other really, you know, really consistent boundary violations, whether mm -hmm. it's like emotional and psychological or intellectual uh, or spiritual, like intensely people kind of constantly pushing their spiritual beliefs onto you. Um, and I really see that, that it, especially if it happens early on in childhood, if you have this early on childhood boundary violation, it's like as if that, that empathic nature that you're kind of born with, um, it, it's like your receptors get stuck, number one, open, and number two, that it gets translated into the cells of your body through your autoimmune system because the autoimmune system is the boundary keeper. Mm -hmm. And the, if you, on a spiritual and emotional level, are not able to navigate boundaries, then physiologically, how can your body follow suit and navigate boundaries as well? Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I can say for myself and for a lot of my clients, uh, they've seen a lot of significant changes when we work on that center, when we start to work on the boundary piece, when we start mm -hmm. to work on navigating that. And not just boundaries of like learning how to say yes, learning how to say no, but really, really nuances, mm -hmm. um, really getting into the complexities of boundaries with ourselves, our internal boundaries, 
uh, minding our internal boundaries with the different parts of ourselves, Mm -hmm. um, minding the different boundaries with different relationships. So that's for me the big piece. The big question is the chicken or egg, right? Is it that people come in and they are, um, they come in and they're, they're born empaths and then the trauma comes in and then it creates this immune condition. Is it that they come in and the trauma creates the empath and the autoimmune? I'm not sure which chicken and egg pieces. Yeah. But what I can say so far after working with a lot of people is that the central thing I can say, central piece I consistently see is that boundaries is the number one issue. And when they start to address that, um, physical healing starts to become possible as well. Mm. I love that. And that really, that really like full circle brings us back to what we initially talked about, how there's these physical symptoms like in the sacral area. And when you address it from uh, not just a physical modality, but instead a more holistic approach of let's look at this from all different areas that you ultimately start to see a lot of this shift and this change within, within that specific, uh, physical area that we can see with our human eyes, but that has these nuances that has a subtleness to it, that has more of an energetic component than what our eyes can, can, you know, physically or visually actually see. So if boundaries are in the center of this, I'm such a visual person. I love that you said the Venn diagram and I've made one before, but <laughs> it only had two circles. It was like empaths and, and autoimmune disease or chronic illness. And just like how much overlap there was in these two things. And I was noticing that in my clients and, and my work and I, I absolutely agree that, that there's this component that could be in the middle of the, all three of those things with trauma included as well mm. of this lack of lack of boundaries and, and how that then op- opens us or is it expose us, exposes us like, like a, um, like an exposed wire, right. Where you're just like kind of always in survival mode. Do you, do you notice that at all? Yes. Like survival mode in our bodies? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, if you're already, you know, an empath and your nervous system is already more sensitive, it gets exhausted and has like a, um, a smaller threshold than, you know, someone else's nervous system, you know, and to give people a sense of, for me, this was helpful statistically to understand that about 75 to 80% of the population, uh, we would call like, you know, average nervous system and 20 to 25% are people who have more of a highly sensitive and there's kind of a dimmer switch of how high to sensitive you are in that. Right. I mean, it's, I think important to say and to validate people's experience to say, if, if you're having, if your, 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 your nervous system is kind of getting shot more than 80% or 75% of the people around you, like, it's okay because research says that that's what it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and in, you know, if we kind of look way back in ancient times, um, people, you know, according to what they're understanding about the DNA is that that, that is a trait that at some point was passed down as support is supportive for survival. Like mm. you were talking about connected to survival because the person that would have a highly attuned nervous system like that, that would be highly sensitive nature that may be very empathic uh, maybe picked up on things that actually helped their group survive. Yeah. Um, understanding the subtlety of, oh my gosh, there's, I think there's like a fire coming and we need to move or picking up on the sense that there's a wild, you know, dangerous animal around things like that. They were able to pick up in their environment. So absolutely when your nervous system is kind of constantly taxed and they say, you know, statistically, the majority of people these days are actually chronically stressed. So you take chronic stress, uh, place it with a, um, you know, a, a nervous system that has a lower threshold. And if, if your, if, if your listeners are, are anything like how I was for a long time, trying to keep up with the 80 to 75% people who have a di- literally have a different physiological threshold on your nervous system, it does overextend you consistently over and over again. And when you overextend yourself, then you do move into a chronic state of likely being into more of a survival mode mm-hmm. where your system is, is, is literally just um, trying to survive. And when you translate that also into an emotional state, then that over time can create situations where people are um, feeling more reactive Just because you're constantly never allowed to rev down. Your system is constantly revved up. Yeah. And I think that's where sometimes 
it's easy to get stuck in victimhood because you you literally feel like you're being attached by the world and all different angles and different kind of textures and flavors and qualities of that. But uh, then that victimhood doesn't serve us either. While at this, you know, and at one on one hand, it makes sense why you would feel that way. Staying in that place is it's almost impossible to heal because mm-hmm. in that vic- victim mindset, it's, you know, I, c- I can't get any better. And this just happened to, to me. And I, I know I've personally definitely been in victimhood at different, different periods, different parts of my life. But the healing came when I realized that, that life wasn't happening to me. And I wasn't just uh, a victim of everything happening around me, even though I was highly sensitive, even though I am an empath, even though I have multiple chronic, chronic illnesses, and instead started to see those things as empowerment and, and there for my soul's, soul's growth. Mm-hmm. What have you, Marcy, what do you feel like are some of the, the little golden nuggets that have come out of all of, all of your, um, your path, your journey? Yeah. I mean, I tell people this all the time that I think Lyme is one of my greatest gurus and people find that strange, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, you know, and, and I have, I think a different relationship with my, my trauma, I think than maybe some people do and not everyone needs to get to this place, but it's like, you know, when people ask me, for example, to give, demonstrate what I'm about to say, like the feeling behind this, uh, when, when people asked me before, okay, if you were able to go back and not go through your first marriage, um, would you go back and not do it knowing what you know? And I said, no, I would do it because I wouldn't be the person I am today without that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to actually be, um, the healer I am today. Was the, was it extremely painful? Yes. Was it devastating? Yeah. Did it almost take me out? Absolutely. But I, it's hard to say, but I can't even imagine my life without that as strangely as that is. It's like yeah. it's owning that. And, um, and for me with Lyme, it's been really powerful because I didn't realize how much I was pushing myself all the time and how I was kind of almost in constantly on running and go, go, go mode. And when Lyme got activated in me like when when my illness started really really coming online it was this really important reminder to come home to the body because I'm it's very you know as a in who I am it's very easy for me to connect intuitively it's very hard for me to be in this body Mm. it's very easy for me to be on a spiritual path and to do spiritual practices, very hard for me to deal with human things like relationships. And so I do feel like this Lyme, this condition in my body is here to anchor me. And, yeah. and, and part of this mastery that I came here to learn around how, how can I have so much um, compassion for myself that I give myself permission to slow down in little moments here and there when the rest of life is moving really fast. Mm-hmm. How can I um, give myself so much permission to really honor my, my needs, even if other people don't get them? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I don't think I would have come into such a deep relationship with myself and with my body, honestly, without Lyme. Yeah but it just wouldn't have happened. I was just moving too fast. I was very, very achievement oriented. I was very goal oriented, very kind of type A in in a certain way. And I I just don't think that I would have been able to, um, yeah, be in my body and be in such a relationship with myself without that. I don't think I would have been able to heal my trauma and recognize it. It's like Lyme served as this really extreme it, it, the way that i understand it, it's almost like lime is an extension of my spirit my soul and this like kind of last ditch effort to get me to wake up i freaking love that <laughs> <laughs> i and again i relate so much where it's like 
I love to be in my upper chakras. I will be there all day to be, I love to be in my imagination. I love, I love to be like airy and floaty and meditative. And then you asked me to come down and like do human things and like deal with hu- human stuff. It's like, <laughs> do I have to like, do I, and when your physical body is experiencing these symptoms that are uncomfortable, that may turn into, you know, to, to be chronic, kind of have no choice but to come into our bodies and start to communicate with it and ask it what it needs and then give it what it needs and be noticing uh, the way that, you know, it's so easy to be kind of floating in the upper chakras. Now, can we bring that ease down into our human body and our lower chakras as well? So I, yeah, freaking love the way that you (laughs) describe that. Uh, It makes me so happy because I know so many people are going to get so much out of this. I thank you so much, Marcy. I'd love to just uh, see if there's anything else that you feel like we left out today that you want to share. And also if you could let the listeners know where to find you. Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed the conversation a lot. <laughs> I feel uh, definitely like mutual mutual spirits together. It's been really fun. Um, I think the thing I would leave people with is that if any of this is resonating with you, you're an empath, um, you're an empath and you're struggling with autoimmune conditions, whatever that kind of Venn diagram looks like for you, or you're an empath and you have trauma, but you don't have an autoimmune situation, whatever that is, I think that really, if you want to be more connected to your intuition, you want to be more connected to your inner voice, whether it's just your inner voice or, or it's you know all the way to your spirit guides, mm-hmm. there's really no bypassing your past. There's no bypassing your past. And I say that because, as I you know, mentioned uh, right before you asked this, um, I really think that for me, chronic illness was this tether to bring me back home and really to prevent me from a life of spiritual bypassing, to be honest, mm-hmm. and to really need to reconcile my past. And, and it's, you know, we incarnated here for a reason. We're here to be human. We're here to deal with the messiness. So for those who are listening, let it be messy. Um, embrace the messiness. Be willing to to go into your past and to um, explore that with the support, uh, ideally, of a professional. And, and do so at a pace that's going to be loving and supportive of you. Because that is ultimately what's going to connect you more deeply to your intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can find me online uh, at Marcy Moberg, my first and last name, M-A-R-C-I-M-O-B-E-R-G.com. Um, if you go there and you sign up for my newsletter, I have a regular newsletter. You can kind of find out about um, when I have online courses or I have online workshops that are going on or doing some one-on-one work with me. And I also have a podcast called Tune In with Marcy, where I talk about all things kind of tuning into ourselves and intuition. Mm. Thank you so much. I just, I appreciate you and all your time today, but especially the, the knowledge, wisdom, and storytelling that you, that you shared with our, our listeners. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 